whether it's Scrum, Agile, Lean, it's all about start doing. Just do it. Just start trying. And failing's fine. They talk about failing, failing fast and all that good stuff. It is like I tried something new. I'm measuring it. It didn't achieve what I expected. What did I learn from that? And how do I apply that to the next thing? And that methodology is very critical to all these philosophies. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Modern Business Operations, the top-ranked podcast in business ops. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Joe Friedrichsen. He is the Managing Director of Infrastructure and Operations at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Rhode Island. Welcome, Joe. So happy to have you. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So Joe and I were just chatting. We both have construction happening on (laughs) the two sides of the country that we're on. So if you hear any banging in the background, please just ignore it, listen in. So today we have an interesting topic that we've spoken about before on the podcast and we'll continue to talk about because it's so vital to the success of not just an operations team, but the effect that that team has on the rest of the business, especially right now with what's going on with the economic downturn, rifts, different hiring practices. We're going to be talking about adopting a lean management philosophy. And Joe has a ton of years of experience sort of implementing these practices. And so I'm really excited to kind of dig in and hopefully listening into this, people can walk away with some tidbits some information and apply them. But before we get into all that, I just want to learn a little bit more about you, Joe. So how did you get into this role? Where were you before that? Give me the details. Yeah. So I've spent my entire career in IT, almost coming out of college with a business degree but kind of fell into IT almost from the beginning, really because it fit my personality. I'm a very analytical thinker. When you hear about computers, everything's like in zeros and ones. Well, that's kind of how my mind works. So I was blessed to be involved in many different companies who gave me the opportunity to learn all sorts of different aspects of technology. I've worked in property and casualty insurance. I've worked in financial services. Now I'm in healthcare and I had the chance to move in all roles inside of IT. And that's been my passion. I used to have a poster that said, I geek engineering, because I really like it. My leisure reading is about computers and technologies and all aspects of it. Really from a business perspective, though, not like the core hands on a keyboard writing code. That's not me, but it's just the business of IT is really exciting to me. Where were you at before your current role? So I spent 17 years at a financial services company, Fidelity Investments, you might have heard of them, and did, like I said, I've spent time in all aspects of that company, whether it was on the data and voice networks, running their trading floors, to doing development and having their first cloud application that our associates used to doing a product management role. I mean, I did a lot there, just a lot of different opportunities in a company that big really taught me, again, like the business of IT. I've always understood IT, but how does that fit into the business and the values and the goals of an organization, and how can IT help facilitate and get there quicker? Yeah, and what was your biggest takeaway from your time there? I mean, you were there for a very long time, and I think a lot of people nowadays sort of jump around a little bit more, so. 
I was in that org for 17 years, but I had like 11 different positions. Mm. So I actually jumped a lot during, and, and Fidelity gave you the, the, the ability to do that. And even here at Blue Cross, I came in on one side of IT. I'm now on a totally different side of IT. How I operate, and I've told all my, you know, everyone who, who I work with is like every two to three years, I get bored. So I always okay. need some sort of challenge. And the challenge could be technical, business, organizational, whatever the case may be, but I need a challenge. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think two to three years is the timeline. Yep. Let's talk about Agile. So everyone listening in is going to know what Agile is and Agile methodology, but what is your definition and why is it so important to adopt it in your opinion? So when I think about the definition of Agile, first and foremost, it's product-based. So you need to have some sort of product. I love that it's iterative improvements. You're constantly improving the product. Your sprints can be in days or weeks, but it's certainly not months. There's a continuous feedback loop. So everyone knows what each other's doing, whether you're a developer, a scrum master, a product manager. Everyone understands what each other's doing. Part of that is visibility into what you're doing. Old school was Post-it notes. Now you have Jira, Monday, all sorts of different tools that, that will give you that kind of visibility for hybrid remote scrum teams. The dedicated team, there's nothing more important than having a dedicated focus on one thing. Our brains cannot multitask. As much as everyone talks about multitasking, it's just impossible for your brains to do that. So staying focused on one thing and then doing it and going to the next is rewarding to the individual. It's rewarding to the product. Self-forming is another aspect of the autonomy that a team has and creates. But it's all built around trust. And so trust is so critical to actually having a product that people want to use and then continually to improve. When I think about Agile, those are the elements I think about. Yeah, I hear you, especially when it comes to autonomy and trust. People need to be given a project and then have the trust to kind of run with it. And I think as an individual contributor and as a manager, that's so important. Yeah, I'm glad you said about the managers. When I coach scrum teams, the guidance I give to all managers is you have nothing to do in this. Mm. Sit around and wait until they get a hold of you because they're having some sort of roadblock or think about how you go from doing work as a manager to actually coaching and enabling people to improve. It turns the whole leadership paradigm on its head, and it's been really, really helpful for the actual people in the scrum team to have managers kind of stay away from all the work and interrupting them. Yeah, that coach mentality for managers, I think, is so key. And I think a lot of managers get promoted because they're good at being an individual contributor, but that has nothing to do with management at the end of the day. So I want to talk about your lean management philosophy. What is it? What I talk a lot about is is trust the process. Trust the process until the process can't be trusted, and then change the process. In my mind, that's what lean management is all about. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of adding value, increasing value. It has a view of zero waste. And what I always clarify about waste is you've got to eliminate waste because you should never automate waste. And then using data, really, I think the other thing I like about Lean and Agile is the same way is the data, the metrics, the work is actually in front of you. So you can see progress being made. And I think everyone wants to see progress in their work. And the continuous experimentation that goes on with Lean to try something new with a view of how do I make sure that this process 
is as effective as it can be. Mm. I love what you said about eliminating waste and not automating it, because I've been in so many positions where something was automated that didn't necessarily need to be. And then you're just adding more that needs to be maintained long term. And then you get into that technical debt issue that so many organizations are facing at the moment. And one of those lean principles actually talks about that. So there's eight definitions of waste as you think about lean. And one of them is overproduction, overprocessing. So when you automate waste, you're overprocessing. And so this mentality about how to get things down to the bare bones and really look at it from an end-to-end perspective and then figure out where all the pain points are and then just chip away at it. Yeah. That's just making me think about a lot of different processes I have going on. I I hope those listening in are doing the same. How can others sort of implement this into their teams and their org? Maybe they talk about it internally, but there's not really like a formal process in place. Or maybe they tried at some point, but it didn't really work out. Or maybe they're starting from scratch, you know, but where would you recommend they actually begin? Yeah, there's a lot of buzzwords that I can start throwing your way, but I'll focus on kind of the practice of things. If you look at a process, anything in your operations, you know where the pain points are. You do. Everyone does. But it's really about how do you start to figure out how to address that. So brainstorming around the pain points, actually sitting down with the people who do the work. And this is very critical to lean management, the people who are doing the work and ask them about what their pain points are. Leaders, managers don't know. They have a guess, but they don't know. So they have to sit down and have to be open to having a dialogue with their teams about where are those pain points. And I'm going to throw some agile terms around, some lean management, because to me they're very interchangeable at times. But you'll actually, as you have these conversations, and somebody needs to orchestrate this and kind of take notes and do all that kind of diligence, but you'll actually create a backlog of pain points. That's exactly what you want to hear from your people as a leader. I want to hear where are all your pain points. Tell me. And then, like, go through and take a look at all these pain points and have a conversation about which ones are most important to take care of or maybe it's most urgent to take care of, which ones feel like it's an easy win, like the low-hanging fruit people talk about, which ones are more complex but might have higher value. Really figure all that stuff out from your backlog, and then just pick one. Mm-hmm. Talk about focus from an agile perspective. Lean is the same thing. Pick one. Don't pick two. Don't pick three. One. If you're dealing with, if that process deals with external customers, you also might want to have conversations with the customer. So voice of the customer, you hear a lot of people talking about getting some perspectives from them on where did they feel the pain points you got to understand who your quote-unquote customer is. Is it the internal people? Is it your actually external customers? So there's an activity that anyone can kind of do, and it's easy enough to do. The next piece is define the existing process. So from a lean management perspective, there's this process called a GIMBA walk, G-E-M-B-A, GIMBA walk. And it really translates into go and see. Go and mm. spend time watching the work get done and see what happens. Is there processes for how that work gets done? Even when you ask that question of what's the process, is there like a paper standard operating procedure? Is there something that these people who are doing the work know why they should be doing it? And really understanding all of the other elements 
of the definitions of waste, where do defects come into play? Are we looking at motion, like how work gets through the system? And, that, mm. and some of that relates to the group maybe before you on something that's coming in or the group after you. So you can't look at just the process you have direct control over. you got to look at your inputs and your outputs. And so document all those processes. And that will create this current state view of these things, more like in a picture view, a flowchart view of things. Having that visual aspect, some people learn through auditory, some people learn visually. So making sure that you are complementing both sides of that as you're going through this exercise is really critical. But once you have that, what's the data that you need to further analyze how things are operating? What's your cycle time? How long does it take to start and finish? You know, is that good? Is that bad? How many defects do you have? Are you looking to improve? Maybe there's a customer service process you're looking to improve, and, and really the, the outcome of that is increased net promoter scores. From a cost perspective, you're looking to eliminate overtime. So there's something there that you got to figure out is what is my goal for the improvement? And it could be a multitude of goals, but that means you need to be able to measure those. So you got to have some sort of data that tells you the measurements because that's your baseline. So now you have current state, you understand some pain points, you've heard from the people who are doing the work, your customers, some goals for improvement. Then you sit down and you brainstorm ideas. How are we going to fix this? There's a lot of approaches to brainstorming, but that's basically what you're trying to do is just brainstorm ideas. How can we fix this? Next, you then go is, what does my future state look like? (laughs) Right? I have my current state. I've chatted about all sorts of crazy ideas I want to do. What's my future state look like? And again, document that, show it in pictures, describe it. And then taking all those ideas you brainstorms on how to fix the current process, map those against the future process, and it creates kind of a project plan. I need to do these things. How long do you think we're going to take? You build out this project plan and then execute. And then use the data that you've captured either from your current state or your future state to show progress that, hey, I got this thing done. Did I get the improvement in cycle time? I got this thing done. Did that improve the net promoter score? I got this thing done. Did that eliminate overtime? And then you continue to focus on it until it's done. Right. And it's done because you've articulated what's my goal for improvement. Once you're done, great. What's the next thing in your backlog that you want to address? Rinse and repeat the process. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at Tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the AdaptiveOps community at operations.community. Interesting. So who do you think should be the person in an org shepherding this? Is it a manager of a team somewhere? Is it somebody on that team? Is it people who need to be giving oversight to all of the teams in this? I've seen it done a lot of different ways. It would be the manager, a supervisor, team lead of an organization that will orchestrate the methodology. Their job is not to have the answers. Their job is to orchestrate the methodology, the practices. So I've seen managers do that. Six Sigma is another. I mean, we're talking lean, but Six Sigma follows very similar processes. So I've seen like managers do that. Some organizations, and Blue Cross is one of them, 
we actually have a dedicated lean organization. They will come in and help orchestrate the process. I've seen outside consultants come in and basically do the same thing. It could be any and all. The key thing is just when you get to the people who are actually doing the work, help educate them on lean management. Principles of waste, there's like a lot of tabletop exercises you can do so people have a better fundamental understanding of what waste is. And that way, when you start talking about approaches, they'll have a much better understanding of, hey, I do this, but this other person over here does the same thing, but why is it taking them longer than me? That's a normal thing for somebody to do. What you need to sit there and say is, okay, is their defect quality better or is it worse? Understanding it. But if somebody's doing something really well and the rest of the team is not, maybe you should look at what that person's doing really well and document it and then train mm-hmm. everyone else on how to do that. So there's some really interesting and easy things that it starts to crystallize once you're a data-driven organization. 100%, yeah. You mentioned Six Sigma. So I know most people, again, listening in, probably have a decent understanding, but can you kind of give your two cents? So whether it's Six Sigma or Lean, it's all the same thing. It's really about how do you improve a process. It's no different. And even Agile in and of itself is a process that was made to deliver continuous improvement. Even some of the terms that you use around Agile and Lean are very related to each other. So each one of those does a daily stand-up. So in Lean, it's like, okay, what are our metrics from yesterday? What are we driving towards today? Is there any changes we were coming up? What are we expecting? So they they do the, the exact same thing, and they're all looking at data. And it's all about how do you continually improve. So name your philosophy. The mechanics will be different, but the philosophy is how do I continuously improve? Yeah. Okay. So there's five principles, right, of lean management, defining value, value stream mapping, creating flow, establishing pull, and then number five, continuous improvement. So I want to ask you about continuous improvement. I mentioned this sort of at the top of the chat. In the current economic climate, isn't it difficult to focus on continuous improvement when many people are sort of just trying to stay afloat? Yes, it is difficult. The flip side of things is to rise to the top of your performance. Mm -hmm. You always need to, to have, in my opinion, two different things. That ability to continually improve either you, yourself, or your processes, and the continuous learning. So having those two things are really critical to growing yourself. And then if something happens organizationally, you're not left feeling like, I I don't know where to go. I have my viewpoint that I talk to my team about is I'm always looking forward. I never look behind me. And I recognize that that has its downsides to my team that I forget about history. So I need people to tell me about my history. But I think it's really when people are in that mental state, having something that says I can improve upon it and show measurements of how I improve is really helpful. I'll give you a very personal example, having a to-do list. Yeah. You have a list of what I need to do today. You're checking it off as you get done. That is really helpful for your positive attitude. If some of that is about improvements, you're continuing to improve and you're continuing to deliver. So that's Mm -hmm. the simplicity of a to-do list, but it has its basis kind of at the human emotion perspective and very similar philosophies as Lean Six Sigma. Yeah, love that. I'm looking at my to-do list right now over here. (laughs) 
and I've got all my stuff crossed off for the last few days. So I'm feeling really good this week. And some weeks, you know, I look back and I'm like, I do have this stuff I said I was going to do. And then you don't feel as good. So I think that's where you got to get out of that funk and there's just ways of doing that. Just start doing it. Whether it's Scrum, Agile, Lean, it's all about start doing. Just do it. Just start trying. And failing's fine. They talk about failing, failing fast and all that good stuff. It is like I tried something new. I'm measuring it. It didn't achieve what I expected. What did I learn from that? And how do I apply that to the next thing? And that methodology is very critical to all these philosophies. Yeah, and it applies to life. So, yeah, what are some of the ways people can apply lean management to their personal lives? I think a lot of it is waste. Mm. I'll talk about some personal things. How much time do you spend on your mobile device? There's all the other stuff that you should be doing in your life. To me, that's a definition of waste. And so you need to be able to measure it. There are some tools out there that allow you to measure that and see, are you increasing or decreasing your mobile usage? So that's like an easy thing. And then it's like, well, why do I do that? Well, I don't want to think about anything. And this is like mindless stuff to go cruising through. Then you sit there and go, well, geez, I just spent an hour going through TikTok. I could have been exercising. I could have been reaching out to a friend and having a conversation and understanding like, oh, well, that helps my mental well-being when I do those type of things. So that's my outcome I'm looking for is to increase my health, increase my happiness. Okay, so how do I get there? Oh, well, I start looking at all the stuff I do in my life. Do I need to be doing this? (laughs) So there are some practices like that that you can apply to your personal life. You're not going to sit there and have all these kind of complex conversations, start drawing stuff out, but really understanding, here's my current state. Here's where I want to be. How do I get there? How do I measure success? Those kind of principles really does apply to a lot of things in your personal life. What you triggered in my mind right there was personal finance. That's another good example. My son's going into college. I was actually thinking through, like, the whole process of getting into college. And yeah. one wears that there's a lot of waste there, which drives me crazy. But, like, mm-hmm. there's things that you need to do just in time. So you talk about the philosophies of flow and pull. A lot of things, like going to college, is like just in time. You have to apply by a certain date. Is there any value in you doing that three months in in advance? No, because everyone's only going to start looking at your applications on that date. So just in time delivery, that's kind of the pull aspect of it, is my son got really good at understanding those two differences. You can take this to crazy extremes, but there are certainly some practices about current state and future state and measurements that apply to anything. Yeah, that's really helpful to think about it in that robust way. You hear all these stories, for example, like why did Steve Jobs always wear khakis and black shirts? Eliminating weight. No, he didn't want to have to think about what he was going to wear. I'm just going to wear black and khakis today. So that your mind can focus on other things. And again, that's the extreme. All those examples of how people operate, and I'm an IT guy, so I'll always give you IT examples for the most part. I love it. I have one final question for you, and it's something I like to ask all my guests. What is the best piece of advice you have ever received in your career? This gets back to your comment about the economic times and the conditions we're in. So I had a mentor that that actually shared a lot of different things with me. He's like, every year I apply for a job outside this company to determine my skill sets and my worth, what the market would pay for. 
course, he didn't take those jobs, but every year he's doing that. And it really points it to me as I'm not a great at going to school. I do not have an MBA. I will never get an MBA. I just hate school that much. But I knew that I had to start doing things as far as industry certifications. Certified Scrum Master, Certified Scrum Coach, there's some security. So I did start to focus on getting certifications because that is helpful in where you want to go next. The other one was get a mentor. There's nothing better than having somebody that you can bounce ideas off of, whether that's in your industry, not in your industry, whatever the case may be. That's the other thing I tell people is I wish it earlier on in my career I had mentors who could help me out on how I operate, how I think, where do I want to go next. Those would be the two big things from my perspective. Mm -hmm. Super helpful. And I think anyone listening in, that's very tangible. They can just take that and run with it. Go get a certification, check out your skills. So thank you, Joe, so much for chatting with me today. I've really enjoyed our conversation and I hope everyone has a great rest of your day and make sure that you check out our community full of operations professionals like Joe at operations.community where you can come in, listen in and meet some of these awesome folks. So thanks again, Joe. Thank you very much. Pleasure talking to you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkin.com slash mbopod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. 